everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 324 being recorded on October 29th, 2014. I'm Ryan Schreau. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walbreth. And I'm Alan Montano. And uh, this is a podcast where we talk about computer hardware. I, I, there was something funny that happened earlier, but we lost it, so now we're just doing that. Uh, we record the show on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And if you are interested, you can watch us do so live at pcper.com slash live. Uh, you go there. We have a chat room. You can hang out with people. You can make fun of us. You can ask us questions. We pay attention before and after the show. Uh, and if you are interested in that, but maybe you're kind of a forgetful type, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific kind of just slips right through your mind. Uh, if you go to pcper.com slash subscribe, you can sign up for a little mailing list. It's pretty simple. We ask for your name. We ask for your email. You hit that fancy submit button. And we will send you an email uh, sometimes an hour before, sometimes 25 minutes before, depending on, I don't know. Sometimes during. Yeah, sometimes during. Depends on when I had to eat dinner, I guess. Uh, and we send you an email that says, hey, we're over here recording live, blah, blah, blah. But not just for the podcast. We do other cool events. Uh, a couple weeks ago, the last two weeks, we did uh, Borderlands, the pre-sequel streams. Yeah. We gave away a ton of NVIDIA hardware. We gave away, like, we gave away three not, G-Sync not to monitors. Me. Not to Josh. Not to Alan. No. Not to Jeremy. Three G-Sync monitors? We gave away three G-Sync monitors. We gave two ROG Swifts and an Acer 4K. We gave away GTX 980, like, game keys, SLI bridges. We give away a lot of stuff. Um, so don't miss out on those because we're – here's the secret. In the month of November, we'll be doing two more game streams for a different game. Different. Different. That's how you spell oh. it. So that's how I say it. Um, so but I'll be gone till November. January, February, March, April, May. Well, uh, well – You'll hear me crying. There's only two more days of October, so you should be back soon. Oh, okay. Cool. Um so that's pcpro.com slash subscribe if you want to do that. But let's jump into crap that happened this week. Uh, starting with Civilization Beyond Earth was released. Uh, this is an update to Civilization. Uh, does anybody on the podcast pay, play a lot of Civ Five? Not anymore. Nope. Not anymore? Or, but you oh, did? I, I went back to Civ Four. Oh. I, I honestly like Civ Four a lot better. This is not, this, I, this does not surprise me. No, I, it really shouldn't. But I did try the Alpha Centauri demo. Played okay. the hundred turns, and uh, it's it's not horrible. Yeah. And if you're not a big Civ fanatic, you may well enjoy it very a lot, very much. Well, well, Beyond Earth is much more like Civ Five. It's the full Civ experience. Uh, but obviously, as the title would insinuate, it happens Beyond Earth. Is that the one you had to do? But not in Alpha Centauri. I was doing the benchmarking stuff last week. Yeah. Which one was the one you had to do? Like a command line, a weird like console nope. tweak to get. Nope. Um, no, not that one. There was an INI file change we had to make for to do multi GPU, multi GPU on Mantle. Oh, okay. So um, the reason we we wanted to test this game is because it's new, it's interesting, uh, it's also a Mantle title, uh, meaning that it has a full Mantle implementation from the ground up. It has some interesting things. Um, they actually so here's here's what uh, the Mantle editions an EQAA, which is essentially MSAA with uh, uh, more coverage samples, right? So if you have 4X EQAA, you have four color samples and eight coverage samples. Um, in some scenarios, that makes a significant difference. In other scenarios, it makes no difference. But the uh, end result is you will always have at least the quality of 4X MSAA. W- would you say that there are multiple factors to the AA? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would say that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so what's interesting is whether or not you're running DirectX 11 or Mantle, 
EQAA is enabled for all Radeon cards. EQ. EQ. Uh, it stands for... Um, Extra quality. Oh. Okay, there you go. Okay. Uh, but it is not enabled for NVIDIA cards. NVIDIA cards like... Because it doesn't have EQAA. E- well, right? EQAA is an AMD-specific feature. Yeah. NVIDIA's version is called CSAA. No, CSAA. Yeah, covered, covered sample. sample. Covered sample anti-aliasing, okay. which basically does the exact same thing. And you can enable it in this game if you go into the NVIDIA control panel. And but you have to NVIDIA. enable it for yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's in Mantle and DirectX. It has multi-threaded command buffering in the game, which basically improves uh, CPU utilization for this game. And Civ games have tended to be very CPU heavy. Right. Uh, more it, the most interesting thing is split-frame rendering for multi-GPU. Now, in the Mantle version of the game, Remember that in Mantle, uh, multi-GPU was completely at the discretion and requirement of the game developer mm-hmm. and the game engine. Mm-hmm. Right? The control panel doesn't handle it, and AMD's drivers don't necessarily handle it. They basically present uh, rendering resources to the game, and the game has to figure out how to handle it. Okay. So with split-frame rendering, they, um, which is a thing that has existed for a long time but went away because of complications with game engines, um, they basically uh, – uh, the game – Developer for Axis, Fear Axis, Fear Axis, yeah, um, decided. Well, okay, in our game, we're not worried about raw frame rate. We're much more worried about kind of smoothness and latency of mouse input. Okay, right. So what they decided to do was re-implement an AFR, and. The, the the thing that makes it interesting is that there are there are some advantages to AFR and that you don't have that single frame buffer kind of latency involved where you know one GPU is scanning out while one GPU is rendering what is actually happening in the game right now right and so you always have that one frame delay and with with split frame rendering exactly as it says uh, each GPU would take uh, equal workload of the screen usually close to half. Yeah. and would render, render, and then output at the same, you know, and one theoretically go GPU twice as fast. Together. And, yeah. yeah, so the idea would be that your GPU is never working on... Uh, uh, the frame that's being displayed is never the... not the frame that it's also just finished working on. Yeah. Right? So uh, that can't happen in a lot of game engines. It's not an option for SLI and Crossfire today for any any other game, right? This is a Mantle-specific thing. Um and they go into a lot more details. Check out the uh, the story if you want more information on kind of why the developer ch- decided to do that, and and you know what their expectations were for scaling percentages and stuff. They basically say that we're much more worried about uh, frame rate consistency as opposed to frame rate peaks, right? Like hitting higher average frame rates. Now, what's interesting about this is because it's a mantle game, means we can't test it on our normal methods, right? There's no overlay software for mantle, right? Uh, Battlefield Four introduced that overlay but that was on a per game thing it wasn't uh, a mantle specific deal so we ended up having to use uh, the civ 5 integrated benchmark which outputs a uh, very long um, nondescript csv file of frame times Uh, the only reason i bring that up is because uh, there were issues with it right so here here's a graph that shows um the blue line is the in-game frame times. The orange line is frame times as reported through Fraps. And then the gray line is actually frame times as reported by our frame rating, kind of our capture system, the benchmarking method we have used for you know a couple of years now yep. here at PC Perspective. Right? They're all fairly close. There's a little bit of variances. You can see that the frame rating is actually a little bit smoother on the ends, but you know in the middle you've got to get the same Is that offset result. just a... 
it's offset because there's uh, the in-game result is actually measuring all 50 seconds, and with fraps and frame rating, I'm only measuring 45 because I have to manually hit the button to start and manually hit the button to stop. Okay. So, so that's not a significant. The little no. offset is not the significant no, no, part no, no, of that. No. Yeah. The, that's all. Those all those results are with an R1990 X. The issue is, is if you look at this graph, which Whoa. shows a single GTX 980. The, the difference is, is obvious, right? So the gray line is our frame rating capture system. So that's what's actually being shown on the screen. The orange line and the blue lines, which have this uh, wide um, section of very highly variant yeah. frame times. It's like it's alternating high and low. Yeah, I think it's, it's actually going like, for the most part, you're looking at 12, 24, 12, 24, 12, yeah. 25, you know, something it's basically like just bouncing like on either side of the. And, and both the in game benchmark and fraps see it that way, but yeah. that's not how it's actually presented on the screen. Right, because the frame rating is actually looking at the screen. Right. Now, there yeah. are reasons why both might be correct. Right? Why so is that? If, if the, game, the game sees the frame at a totally different time than when frame rating, when, the, 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 when it's actually sent out, right? Okay. So, what could be happening here is NVIDIA is manually smoothing out those frames through their frame pacing algorithms and their driver okay. so that they are presented in a more smooth manner. So the game thinks it's drawing them at alternating speeds. Right. right. But Which in and of itself, you know, potentially could be problematic depending on how the game, um, uh, like... Depends on what you're doing. Well, right? it depends on... No, like, it, it could negatively affect, say, the uh, uh, simulation time inside the game. Okay, but because most of those simulation times are based on averages, and if you look, the gray line happens to be in pretty much a perfect average yeah. of the middle of those. Right, that it, it it's it, it was not an issue when you were playing it, when we were messing around with the, with the benchmark, it had no issues. So that being said, uh, what we decided to do was for all DirectX, AMD, and NVIDIA results, mm-hmm. we used frame rating, and for Mantle, we had no we had no no other option so we had to use the end game results right and the the basic single gpu results are um the mantle version of civ 5 is better than the DirectX version of civ 5 okay. for amd so that graph you just had up yes so the the green line's nvidia yep orange line is mantle red uh-huh. line is amd DirectX. so you know the direct comparisons are red line versus green line for nvidia versus amd DirectX. right and then the orange line is what the mantle improvements get you and you can clearly see there that the amd you know it's 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 pretty similar here but uh in that same area the say that we'll say the 18 to 35 second mark of this test there's it's much slower and there's more variation. Okay. Whereas both the NVIDIA and Mantle ones they are, look pretty uh, even. are pretty even and yep. smooth. Right? And you can see how that lays out in terms of average and minimum frame rates. Um, the average frame rate between NVIDIA uh, DX11 and AMD Mantle are pretty close. Yep. Mantle has a slight edge. AMD DX11, pretty far behind. And if you look at minimums, um, minimum frame rate, the Mantle is actually a little bit better as well. You can see there's a, a spike in our testing there now, that now with, that. With Mantle, though, like, that whoever built this game, whoever coded it, they could have conceivably just kind of done the very similar things just so that in the end then they just worked out very similar on frame rates. What do you mean? Like, you know, supposedly you get more of an advantage with Mantle mm-hmm. or is it or is it for this example just the fact that the even though the uh nine eighty is might be a faster card, but Mantle is helping the other card catch up and be basically Correct. dead even. Yeah. That's I think it's a coincidence on. that it's dead even. Because that's really yeah, yeah, like yeah. the same number. It, it, because if you look at, at 4K, if you look at the 4K result, they're not dead even. 
Oh, Mantle's okay. actually a little bit faster, but there's still a performance difference between NVIDIA and AMD's DirectX 11. Yeah. Right? And if you look at that, you, again, you see a similar result. Uh, these are single GPU results. If you look at multi-GPU, you see other things that crop up, right? Yeah, extra variants. Here's, what, here's what's interesting. Actually, let me see which one of these graphs. Uh, we'll, we'll actually use this one here, the 25 by 14. So which one's the orange line? The orange line is Mantle. So notice that it's actually... Uh, slower for a majority of the time than the NVIDIA SLI results. Mm -hmm. We're using 980 SLI and then 290X Crossfire. Um, But what it does is it has much less variance throughout the entirety of the benchmark run. So um, the end result is, is if you look at it, the average frame rate of NVIDIA's uh, 980s SLI setup is way better than what Mantle provides or what AMD provides under DX11. Okay. And if you look at it, the 290X Crossfire and Mantle and DX11 actually provide very similar average frame rates. Right. But look at the minimums, right? The, the Mantle implementation of Crossfire is way better yeah. than the DirectX. Yeah, it never dips lower than... And the Mantle is better than the SLI. Yeah. So, like, experience-wise, probably the 290X Crossfire is the best experience for multi-GPU at that resolution. And if you look at it here, again, you see the same thing where it's it's slower for majority time, faster for some, but it's more consistent. In the green bars, you see a lot of back and forth. The red bar, you see a lot of back and forth. And again, the end result, NVIDIA is faster. Minimum frame rate's pretty close as it, well. They it may be smoother, spike but, up front. It may be smoother, but it does look a, a considerable deal slower, though. Like it's That's like, would probably be noticeably slower in that case. 115 versus 82? Yeah. Uh, I think so. But once you get over 82, yeah, you kinda, it's if, hard if to it's tell. smooth, would you rather have uh, smoother performance or more performance? Right? There's obviously yeah. there's, there's weighting either way, how much more performance versus how much smoother. But once you're past, in the, past the 80s, though, is it even, can you even tell the variance? At the, uh, I, mean, I, think, you? I think you would be able to. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it was it's an interesting kind of uh, experiment into things uh, to, to see that right. And so the takeaways are, uh, if you look at just that direct DirectX 11, the mm-hmm. NVIDIA results are way better than the AMD results. Yep, they're they're significantly faster. Uh, they're more consistent, and uh, you don't have any of those issues. But what Mantle actually did for AMD was kind of give it the win, if you will, yeah. in that game in terms of providing better performance single GPU mm-hmm. and uh, more smoothness yeah, in more consistent performance. Yeah. yeah, so it's pretty interesting little uh, dive into Mantle. So um, you know that's that's uh, you know they've got what else do they have coming up in Mantle? Does anybody remember what games they have coming up with Mantle other than this? That uh, uh, Lichdom, which is out already. Yeah, it is. Or doesn't the, it have Mantle, or is it only True Audio? I don't know. Dragon Age has Mantle, doesn't it? Yeah. Star Citizen, whatever the hell that decides to come out, will have it. Um, Why bother? It's already made all the money it needs. That's true. Uh, Mirror's Edge 2, whenever that comes out. So anything based on Frostbite would have Mantle support. Mm-hmm. But NVIDIA is going to have Assassin's Creed Unity, Far Cry 4, uh, whatever that actually turns out to be, right? They don't have a, their own proprietary API, but they have Gameworks and all the other stuff. So yeah. um, we'll talk about all that when, when those games creep out. So... Uh, I think it's a really interesting discussion, even if you have no interest in Civ Five as a, or a Civ Beyond Earth as a game itself, to go read that story and look at uh, uh, what those results look like. Um, Sebastian posted a review of the ECS Li- Liva Liva Liva. 
Leva me alone. Okay, we're going to go with Leva. Uh, the Leva, which is like, it's this. It's a tiny computer. How tiny is it, you ask? Uh, there it is next to a CD. That's pretty tiny. It's pretty tiny. You couldn't even put a CD in uh, there. There's the motherboard. Wow. Uh, and uh, where's where's my favorite picture? Mm-hmm. Oh, there it is. There's the motherboard next to a an SSD. Smaller than a two and a half inch SSD. Smaller than a two and a half inch SSD. Obviously not in Z height, but you know you get the idea. And you can tell connectivity wise, you're looking at USB three, USB two, uh, gigabit. Is that gigabit Ethernet? I think so. I think it is HDMI, VGA, HDMI, VGA, well, passively you know. cooled, of course. Um, so this is the, an ECS mini PC kit. It's based on Baytrail. Uh, it is. It's got two gigs of memory, eMMC storage, mm-hmm. which is slowish. Uh, okay, but, but slowish, yeah. You know, whatever. What are you going to do? Uh, Sixty-four gigs or thirty-two gigs. It does have uh, gigabit Ethernet. Uh, two-channel audio, 802.11n, Bluetooth 4.0, USB 3.0, I uh, already mentioned. Um, and it's, uh, I, this model that we reviewed doesn't, doesn't come with Windows 8.1 with Bing, but I think they – did they announce yeah, one? Tuesday. Tuesday they announced another version of this that ships with Windows 8.1 with Bing, which is the, the version of Windows version. 8.1 that is – they're not – they don't sell – they don't give it directly to consumers. Yeah. But they give it to OEMs to include with super low-cost devices like this. And I right. say super low-cost because this is $179. Mm-hmm. And you don't have – this comes with the memory, right? Like you don't have to add – that's it. Anything to you just, this. You turn it on, right? It's, yeah. well, you have to install the OS, but... Yeah, yeah. You, you know. have to have your own operating system. You can see it's... I mean, it's powered by USB, yeah. <laughs> right? It's, it has a USB-powered brick, right? How many... Does it say how many watts? Uh, the, the power adapter supports standard micro-USB connector that uh, 5 volts and up to 3 amps. That's 15 yeah. watt. So, like, less I, than I most of your it, chargers. I think it's supposed to run on a 10 watt, though. I think it probably could. just been a charger that they threw in there. Okay. Yeah. So you can see yeah, it's it can probably there. relatively forgiving. Yeah, yeah. Probably. I would want a little bit of headroom just in case you tried to plug a USB powered device into the USB port on it. Mm, yeah, fair then, enough. Then you know, kind of need a little more, right? Yeah, but it's the Leva. What are you going to be plugging into it? I know, right? <laughs> Here is the performance of that eMMC. Not not awful, like in terms of max sequential. Yeah, hundred megs read, forty one write, but you get into the four Ks and they're pretty. Low. That's I mean, it's to the point where you'd notice it's slower than a typical SSD for like your OS, yeah. and stuff. But I mean, it would still it would still work. It'd still be faster than a hard drive. <laughs> yeah, no, really, eat that hard drives. Yeah. Um, in terms of performance, here is PC Mark score. He ran that. You know, but this isn't this isn't this device isn't meant to be benchmarked. It's not. You know, it's not. Going well, to wow people with scores. Yeah. Uh, so, what, you know, he tested things gaming. like HD playback. So, yeah, one, one negative 1080p YouTube under Windows and Flash, not uh-huh. so great. 720p was fine. Yep. Um, was it dropping frames? What? He just I said guess. it was stuttery. Okay. It was not smooth. CPU utilization was at 100%. <laughs> but then he installed Ubuntu. Well, under Windows, he was able to get 1080p working in MKV under VLC just fine. So it like, might have just been something funky with it's just flash. It's yeah. inefficiency of flash decoding 1080p video, and it could have been like really high bitrate stuff versus the MKV. Could have been a bit lower bitrate. Yeah. Um, yeah, but with hitches, it makes it seem so much more cinematic. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, they didn't want to actually run higher than 24 frames per second. I wouldn't. Uh, well, so. I mean, so he was just trying to play 1080p YouTube, right? Or is YouTube HDMI5? Well, you could do Bounce. both. He only tested flash. 
Okay. He did not. He didn't actually test HTML five, hmm. but I, I don't know how. I would imagine that would be better, like Chrome. I would HTML think it would be 5. better. I don't know if it would be that much better, but it would be better. Total power draw, by the way, <laughs> three point two watts. Wait. At idle. Oh, okay, idle. All and right. full load was nine point five watts. Ooh, all yep. nine watts. Right. And that's like that's almost in the like for all the other processors we test. That's like almost the in whole, like the error yeah. fields. <laughs> you can hook it up to a USB battery pack. That's true. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. For a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For a reasonable while. And, and it's while. got Wi-Fi. Yeah. It could I, I don't know do something. Yeah. Headless. It's it's pretty cool. It's true. Uh, but he, Jeremy, you're saying he installed uh, uh, Ubuntu yeah, on he it as well. Put a 64-bit Ubuntu on it. Um, found two very obvious things. First was that the Wi-Fi wasn't working quite right. Uh, it's in a beta stage of the driver. This will change, so it will Hope come so. back. Yep. But on the other hand, he found that multitasking and just general overall resources of the OS significantly lower. So he was actually seeing overall better performance on it. And apart from you know the fact that you could make those wireless drivers work, it's just playing around with betas and takes a bit of effort to try and force it to work but this thing is going to work on linux so you don't even need to pay for an os jeremy have you played lords of the realm 2 i'm looking at that and thinking that i remember it but i can't remember where i would have played it it, it seems like a pretty jeremy game definitely so you know uh <laughs> retro pc gaming only need apply here when you're talking about a 9.5 watt uh system that was an old sierra game yeah. For sure. Imagine how many watts you drew playing that back in the day. On, uh, oh, it was not nine. <laughs> you didn't draw nine watts then. You know, these are essentially tablets without a screen and put in a box. Yeah. 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 I mean, it Which is awesome. Like, like this picture yeah. of... Strap uh, it to every TV you own. A yeah. fractal design case that uh, Sebastian is <laughs> working on as well with the, with the Leva right next to it, so... You know, uh, so it, it's it's a pretty neat little device. Again, it's 180 bucks. Um, you know, the weakness is underpowered as a Windows PC. I think that's it's fair. Do not you're not this is not a multitasking powerhouse type device. Yeah. Um, but it, it could be interesting as a little you know hobby device or something like that. But if if you want to use it as a, as a machine, you absolutely can. Just be aware of its limitations in the performance metric. For its cost, it's still pretty damn good. For yeah. Even for a Windows PC. I mean, even in a, keep in mind, it only has two USB ports as well. So if you hook up a keyboard and a mouse, yeah, that's it. Like, so you got to have a hub if you want to do anything like that. But uh, or have a keyboard that has a USB port on it. Maybe or a powered hub, depending on what keyboard and mouse it, you try to plug I'd in. Say that makes sense. <laughs> uh, very, it's it's silent, right? It's completely passive. Very yep. small, ultra low power. Pretty good connectivity for that size. Wireless mm-hmm. card included, and audio over HDMI makes home theater PC applications possible. Again, performance issues. They maybe be interesting. Could you put Windows Media Center on it? Get one of those USB uh, uh, tuner cards. Maybe. <laughs> if, well, if not you, the U- not the USB ones, tuner. but the, ne- the network based the network-based ones. Based yeah. Tuner. yeah, it might hmm. just work. Kind of pushing it for the CPU power, maybe. But storage is only sixty four gigs. That that probably be your issue. Well, you could have it. You could have it mount a network share drive. <laughs> And then it, that's All right, what it yeah. it's videos. It's complicated. I like it. I it's like kind of complicated. It would use your network a lot, but, yeah. you know. 
Uh, also posted today, Ken wrote up a review of the Steiger Dynamics uh, Maven Core. Steiger. Whole- Didn't know such thing. Must have been a ghostwriter. Yeah, I actually wrote it, but I feel bad for him every once in a while, so I put his <laughs> name on stuff. Uh, is this sort of the exact opposite of the last one? It is. A- We've gone from underpowered <laughs> HTPC to, good God, yes. you're calling that an HTPC? What hole can you possibly put into an HTPC? <laughs> so I, I had not, you know, we had not looked at a, at a, at a Steiger dynamics machine before but they are they kind of focus on home theater designs right ken like they like that's kind of their niche they go after that but i mean like high-end home high-end yeah like if you look at this design like this is a uh it's actually hand brushed aluminum uh case it's a custom-made case i think essentially at that point right yeah yeah rolled on the thighs of virgins exactly Mm -hmm. of course all of the virgins uh Virgins were wearing steel wool, but you know, <laughs> yeah. it was uncomfortable for them. But it's all yeah. for the good of the product. Uh, it's a you know, it's it's a full size system, right? So uh, that it's it's a full size ATX motherboard, yep. full size graphics card, full size power supply, ATX case on its side. It is essentially case. a 4U, 3U, 3U device, uh, almost 4U, six and a half, six point eight five inches tall. Yeah, um, it's a pretty tall component. The the drive on it is on its side. So you're slot loading yes. a, a DVD or a Blu-ray right. sideways. So uh, the specification of ours included an Asus Z97A motherboard, the Core i5-4690K, which is the um, Devil's Canyon, four core. Devil's Canyon, four-core non-hyper-threaded Devil's Canyon processor, 8 gigs of memory, uh, 250 gig Samsung uh, 840 Evo SSD with a Washington Digital 3 terabyte red hard drive and of course a geforce gtx 980 which you can yes, see yes of course the power plug there. of course you would need oh. that to just play your movies on your but display. that's not what they targeted yeah. for clearly that's true right so the idea and i actually like this idea more but you know coming from like the pc gaming side of things like uh-huh. so the, the the ecs leva is like hey how can we make this cheapest possible thing that can also watch tv yes right? and, and barely do that and barely do that right <laughs> and and when you and when you say barely do that it's like because you got to bring in external USB storage or network storage yep. and a, a network-based tuner card and all this yep. other stuff. This doesn't have any of that complication. Mm-hmm. Everything can be stored internally. Yep. And what I think is more important is that this doubles as PC gaming on your TV as well as home theater PC. So, yep. uh, you know, the home theater PC side is interesting in that it ships with a CTON Infiniti-V. Is that right? That's a cable card. cable card tuner. Yep, cable card tuner with uh, four tuners in it. So you basically have this ugly looking thing the PCMCIA card uh, that which is which I had to go and drive to a store a, a branch store. of a cable not a store provider to go get it's basically a store well you got it's a like whole sentence office. about how difficult it was to get that cable card set up yeah, yeah. it was just it, their their customer service that was the only real ro- roadblock because as far as Windows Media Center experience and everything that was all painfully simple just check some EULAs and go through some simple process, put your zip code in. The, the problem your... was having the customer service rep not know exactly what Yeah, what they, they were, they were clueless. They had, like, no idea what they were doing from the sounds of it. And My guess is every, every customer service rep went through, like, a day of cable card training in, like, 2011. Maybe. And they rarely. You mean like a half hour cable card training? Maybe if that. I think it was just say no. It was a memo. Because it's a free cable. It was a TPS. not allowed. It was a TPS report on their desk (laughs) at some point. That's what it was. But um, the issue we had setting it up was just that there were three different numbers to provide them with Mm -hmm. from the the Windows Media Center. It just gives you all the info from the card and the tuner and all that stuff. And you. Time Warner, for some reason in their system, only had two blanks. 
So we had three numbers and two blanks for them to enter them into. So we it's had not that two. many combinations. I'm going to be honest. Once with you. they got the right combination, it was on within like three seconds of them hitting enter. So like it works. A, yeah. And uh, this did ship with Windows 8.1 with uh, Windows Media Center. Yep. Installed, um, which if you already own Windows 8.1, Media Center is like a $30 add-on to it. Is it 30 I thought yeah. it was... It's something. I thought it was it's 30 like, I don't know. It's either 10 or 30 It's something. It's surprisingly cheap, though, from what I thought. It used yeah. to be free, but whatever. It used to be uh, free. So, but that all works fine. Like you, that's, yeah, that's it's, a good experience with that. It's very seamless. It's uh, maybe a little too simple in some cases. Like I thought they could have put more stuff on the screen. There was too much buffer space around, a lot of empty, around the interface. We call that negative space. Alan. It really was negative space, yeah. <laughs> uh, Recording, playing back, yeah, all that everything worked, worked just like yeah. just like any decent DVR, and probably the most responsive you're ever going to get, especially running on yeah. that system, right? Because it's got all that horsepower behind yep. it. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty snappy. The only the only time there were delays, it just seemed to be like the tuner was actually trying to tune the station, hmm. like you were just kind of waiting on that to happen. That's really all it was. Like, if you're just trying to channel surf and just hit, you know, channel up repeatedly, it's not going to be as fast as maybe even some DVRs might actually be. Uh, I don't know. Direct TV is pretty little, slow. Yeah, cable boxes yeah, are pretty fast. Yeah. Cable boxes are pretty much the worst technology that exists. <laughs> were, yeah. were you able to uh, tune in Tokyo, though? Tune in Tokyo. No. I did not try. No. No. Aww. Sorry. Another one lost. Uh, it, there are, I mean, there's. There's so many potential benefits of having a cute computer be your uh, yeah. set-top box. Right? And, and even for the and even for the media center stuff, there's other things you can like tweaks you can do in the background and transcode your captured video streams to like smaller formats and stuff like that. Yeah. And with this system, you have a whole bunch of horsepower to do that. Yep. Right. Uh, or to rip. Uh, I know Ken was trying Blu-ray ripping and transcoding yeah. and stuff on it. And plenty of horsepower for that too. Oh yeah. Right. Horsepower, and you can get storage on it. Yeah. Speaking of horsepower, I mean, like the, the components in here, we we know very well. Yeah, we, we know, know exactly what to expect out of a GTX 980 and out of a 4690K. Um, the I, I think the benefit here is this is a device that you it, it's a it's a big device, uh, but it looks nice. It fits well in kind of a home theater setup. Yeah. Um, you've already got connected to your TV. Like that's the whole purpose of the thing is it's outputting to your TV. So now you can use that GTX 90 for gaming. Yep. Right. So couch gaming, uh, you know, with a controller, with mouse and keyboard, whatever, uh, I think becomes couch a really master. thing. They, so it turns out Steiger Dynamics is also the U.S. distributor of Couchmaster. Hell yeah. Um, which it's for a those bundle who, made in heaven. <laughs> if you don't know what the Couchmaster is, let me click this link here right for you. Uh, this is a premium uh, device that uh, basically has two big cushions on either side of your legs while you're sitting on a couch and then a cross-platform here that holds your keyboard and your mouse and uh, all that other good stuff. It's got, it comes with USB 3.0 extensions, so you've got it all sitting there. Um, and you can go watch this sweet video of me sitting on this exact table <laughs> demonstrating the Couch Master as well. It's a pretty cool it's, – it's actually a pretty neat device for people that uh, um, want to game on their TV, like in their living room. Yep. As opposed to, this is it's an upgrade over the uh, hospital tray method that I used years ago. That's true. Right. Do they still have a version 2.0 with a drink cup in it though? No, I, I don't understand that. Um, yeah, you have to mod your couch master. You got to you got to mod the couch master. <laughs> Level nice. up your upholstery. Pricing wise, the Steiger Dynamics Maven Core it, it's expensive. It's like twenty nine fifty or something. Um, twenty nine ninety nine. Pretty close. Uh, twenty nine eighty eight. 
You want to yeah. try that one? Okay. I, I don't think it'll have the same effect. No. Twenty nine eighty eight. Not the same run. <laughs> Yeah. You're right. It did lose a lot in that yeah. in that move. Um, so you know, uh, Ken priced out similar components. Uh, what it was, come to the only thing you couldn't get was the case, right? Yeah. Essentially, identically, uh, it's like twenty two fifty to twenty three hundred. You're talking about a seven hundred dollar price difference that you're paying but for it, insulation, it warranty, all aluminum. It's 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 a, a nice, nice piece of hardware. Uh, scroll down to the other configuration I built. Uh oh. Okay. So okay for uh, the Steiger Dynamics, like if you go there, you can for fifteen hundred dollars, you can get this same same case and everything. Uh, yeah, same system, but with a Core i five thirty six ninety a no, GTX seven fifty Ti. That's supposed to be fifty six, fifty nine sixty. I don't know where that came from. Uh, wait, fifty nine sixty would yeah. not be a Core i five part. A seven, forty nine sixty. Something 4690. Like 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, Reviewing this and bringing it to my house and trying it out kind of gave me the bug. So I just uh, looked for a sale, and Newegg had, was, um, had a sale on the six-tuner version of the Seton. I think that's all they sell anymore. Yeah, I, think, I think the four-tuners are discontinued now. Yeah, that's all you can get. But like, and, there's, and supposedly that's kind of a workaround because Media Center supposedly doesn't support more than four-tuners. Hmm. But their driver somehow like forces it to accept six. Huh. I don't know. Weird. Yep. I was reading that. So uh, that's Steiger Dynamics. Seems like a pretty nice company. High end. Like I was impressed with the the presentation of the system and how it all. Yeah, it's very nicely built. It's S T E I G E R. Steiger. Steiger. I hope it's not Steiger because we've said Steiger in all of our videos and everything too. True. So. Uh, oops, wrong thing. Here we go. How about this? Let's, Josh. Let's talk about consoles. We love to talk about consoles. Uh. <laughs> A anonymous developer on Assassin's Creed Unity, which is coming out November 11th. It is uh, on PC. It is an NVIDIA way it's meant to be played, GameWorks title. Sure. But it's also coming out on Xbox One and uh, PlayStation 4. Basically um, commented on the controversy around the fact that on the consoles, the game was only running at 1600 by 900 resolution. Yep. And that uh, only running at 30 frames per second. Yep. Um, what about on PC? On PC, I mean, it'll run it. The usual, it'll run multi-resolution and, okay. and high frame rates, right? So, but the complaining was like, how come the PS4 couldn't run faster than the Xbox One? The PS4 has more compute hardware. This okay. is a conspiracy theory because Microsoft is sponsoring. You know, you know, was one of the big promoters of Assassin's Creed, and so they were holding back. Blah blah blah. I don't really care about that part. Um, the part that's interesting is they say that uh, this developer said um, uh, that the game was too graphically powerful to run at 1080p on the consoles, uh, that the Xbox One was very, very close to performance to the PS4, and that the Ubisoft team sees Unity as being, quote, crazily optimized for the architecture and consoles even as we approach the first year of the release, and that half of the CPU compute time is being used to help the rendering engine 
uh, by unpacking and computing its kind of pre-baked uh, global illumination oh. stuff. Okay. Haven't you heard resolution is important? It's, it's not important. Wait now. And no, 30 no, frames per all. second is more cinematic. I know all of the I know of all all of the reasons for it, but essentially what this developer is saying is that they have kind of already reached the peak of performance for these new consoles. And when you hear that, you would think, okay, we're not even a year into this console generation. It's, true. it's probably crap, right? Because they've only had a year. But when you start to think about it, uh, Xbox, Xbox 360, well, let's take Xbox out. Xbox 360 was power PC. Uh, that was the triple core one, Josh. Mm-hmm. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, triple core, two threads per core. And then uh, PS3 was that cell architecture cell. with yeah, which uh, is power GPU. Eight based as yeah. well. Well, yeah. power PCs, the power seven, I think. And those were um, unknown entities, really, for the most part, for game developers as they came into that that system. However, with the Xbox One and PS4, their x86 cores. Yep. It's standard GC, uh, GCN graphics architecture from AMD that's been around for several years now. Yep. Uh, and it, it is not. It is. It is completely feasible that game developers completely understand all this hardware already, and that it would seem likely that they would be able to peg these systems early. Josh, would you would you agree with that assessment? Uh, maybe I can pinch myself, I don't know, my face a little bit more, <laughs> do my best Renee Zellweger Please, impression. Yes. Uh, yes and no. Yes, x86 is well-known, GCN architecture is well-known, uh, the PS4 and Xbox One. Their programming models do allow you to get a little closer to the metal, uh, than, <clears throat> say, a regular Windows 7 or Windows 8.1 machine. Having said that, there's still a lot of software development going on at both Sony and Microsoft that will improve performance uh, and allow probably these these designers to uh, maybe dig in a little further. I know certainly uh, direct, uh, not direct next, next, but OpenGL next. Yep. And uh, the DX12, which the technologies of those will be going into the PS4 and uh, probably Xbox One eventually. It would make sense to do it both because uh, developers will get more tools. Uh, they'll be able to kind of experiment with different paths and uh, you know get better better performance out. I mean, there is going to be a learning curve. But I think we are hitting a lot of that early curve early. Er. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, earlier. I mean, it's not like, I mean, the Xbox, even the, the original Xbox, if you look at the first games in the first year and compare it to the the, the games at the end, I mean, it, it really was night and day. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. That They were able to extract more performance. And it was just, you know, it was an Intel Celeron with uh, a GeForce 4. But through software updates, better developer tools, uh, low-level optimization by Microsoft. Uh, and we see, see that saw the same thing with the Xbox 360. Um, something else that we really need to kind of take with this is both... Sony and Microsoft spent a lot of money to develop their own chips for the original um, you know, Xbox 360 and the PS3. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cell didn't turn out to be nearly as good as, as Sony hoped. No. Uh, and they had to... Uh, Refrigerators. Yeah. They had to uh, you know, get NVIDIA to uh, do the graphics portion. Um, but if you look at the Xbox 360, that 
first parts out that had unified shaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't you know incredibly powerful for the time. It was good, but they were able to you know really work with programming the software uh, develop again because the power architecture is not anything great. Yeah, it was running three point two gigahertz. Yeah, it was three core, two threads per core, but it was an in order architecture. Didn't have a huge amount of cache. But it did have, you know, plenty of, of memory for the time and a, a relatively wide um, memory bus, plus the cache. So it could do some some interesting things. Well, the eDRAM, rather, I'm talking about. Um, but these are kind of off-the-shelf AMD parts. They spent significantly less developing them. They got them to market quicker at a lower cost. Uh, they just go into a royalty deal. They, they paid AMD some money to, you know, utilize their their licensed hardware, and they can get them out quickly. Yeah. So yeah, we're I, I think we're we're going to hit a point eventually where it's just going to flat bottom out, and there's nothing else they're going to do, do you, to make it look better, perform yeah. better. Do you think that the Jaguar cores? are a limiting factor here. Like we, we, we know about the, the stream units and we know that they are not a, an architecturally limiting factor except for the quantity of them there. Do you think it was a bad decision to use Jaguar cores as opposed to something less power efficient but more powerful? Well, what did, what did they have available at the time? And would AMD be willing to license out uh, say, for example, Trinity Course or, you know, uh, Vichera. Mm-hmm. You know, go with a, a lower clocked version that can, you know, steadily go at, what, 2.6 or 2.8 gigahertz uh, without a PDP bank. Mm-hmm. But is AMD willing to do that? And plus, I mean, that, that would make it a significantly larger uh, chip than what we have now yep. uh, to get to eight threads. So it's it's a big balance because uh, you know things like Vishera they don't run as well without that big L3 cache on the back. True. So true. What choices? I mean, it was it was just a manner of, of juggling, um, not the greatest choices to to try to make the best compromise. And then oftentimes when you compromise, you yeah, I, th- have I an think. Outcome. When 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 they first announced the specifications of the consoles a year before they were released, I think most of us kind of said, and most of the the hardware media people that understood the the architecture stuff said that seems like an undershot, right? Because if you're targeting a seven year life cycle for hardware, with the Xbox One and, and especially the PlayStation Three, you aim high, like. You, you say, okay, we're going to give it more GPU horsepower, CPU horsepower than we think it needs today or that they can use today in hopes that they'll be able to take advantage of it over time. And it, it just, I don't know, it feels like we're going to hit that wall quicker. Um, and, and I, well, according, and to, according was, to this anonymous developer that w- we are. Go ahead. Well, oh, uh, you know, something else that we have to consider is back then we were a whole lot more hopeful about uh, multi-threaded software and how well that would work. And, you know, if these sure. developers just had more time, they'd be able to extract, you know, more parallel code, and it's just going to run fast because you've got these eight threads, and who cares if IPC is not that great? You've got eight of them going, plus right. you've got the GPU doing stuff, so it's it's going to be awesome. Well, yeah, Turns out that's, okay. that's more difficult, and IPC yeah. is still very important. Um, as, again, I think many of us would have... 
recommended to them beforehand. So, Jeez, uh, I remember the Pentium 4 making that argument. <laughs> so it's not the instructions for clock that matters, it's the speed. Everybody's got to have everybody's got to have an argument, right? So, um, anyway, I think it's an interesting topic. It's not uh, incredibly germane, I guess. The hardware is not going to change. Yeah. Um, and it's just another reason to game on a PC, right? Where you can upgrade that crap mm-hmm. if you want to. So check out that editorial if you would like. Let's run through some news items. Uh, quick-ish. Broadwell E expected 2016 Q1 2016. Jeremy, anything stand out? Here to you on uh, this little leak from Chinese VR Zone, because where else? Well, because where else would it come from except yeah. for maybe video cards or Tweaktown? Uh, <laughs> it's nice to see we still have very little information and very little reason to hope because oh. it's more than a year away. Mm. Uh, it's it's going to be nice to see. Uh, Intel is saying 140 watt TDP, which is pretty much bang on for what they're offering right now, which mm-hmm. is a good thing. Uh, it means that we're still going to see some high-powered processors coming out of Intel. Uh, there's a good chance that uh, if you buy an X99 right now, there will be a BIOS update that allows you to upgrade. Uh, don't bet money on it, but it seems reasonable. But the, yeah. the one thing that Scott couldn't quite grasp and that I thought was a little bit weird was the integrated memory controller. So it's got four channels of DDR4-2400, one DIMM per channel. Huh. Which, in, is, in essence, sort of says you're going to have four DIMMs maximum. Yeah. You, you won't be able to pair up on them. Now, this could be a misspelling. This could be just the current version of it, um, yeah. because at or least on the server side be, of it. Can I, can I throw in real quick? But of course. It could be like what Intel did some years ago, when they're like, okay, these uh, X59 motherboards, you can only have four DIMMs max. Four of them. That's all we're going to support. And then the motherboard guys were like, mm, X58. no. <laughs> X58. Oh, sorry, X58. Yeah. X58 no, we can, we can do more. Yeah, that's we can the throw channel. eight on there. It's fine. They work it fine. X58 they went from three to, three to six on X58. Yeah. No, wait. You're just yeah. all wrong. Yeah, Nahal one. P- what, was, P- what was the one after that? There was the, the first quad channel. Oh, X79. X79? Yeah. yeah, X79. Yeah, the first boards for that were all no. four, four dims. No, they weren't. The first ones? I don't know. Okay, the first specified boards were all four DIMMs, and then like, Asus the, came out the, and uh, said, oh, we got eight on these. Like Look yeah. what we can do. And, I mean, you've already got boards coming out with more than four, so if a BIOS update is going to make this chip run, well, that kind of throws it out of your hands, doesn't it, Intel? It's a little, Even dis- you it's do a little disappointing. The controller now. Yeah, it's a little disappointing that like this is more than a year away, and it's like eight and six core options. It's like, well, okay, we got that today. Uh, 20 megs of cache. I think we got that today. Turbo yep. Boost, got that. Hypertheting, got that. Uh, case 40 Q's, PCI lanes, got that. Got that. 40 PCI lanes, got that. Uh, hmm. So what's actually updated then? There'll, there'll be Broadwell architecture oh. cores instead of Haswell. Can you know what the best part about all that is? Cores. DMI. DMI. Yeah, is still, yeah still a DMI it's connection. It's your I.O. back, baby. Hell yeah, buddy. That's what I'm looking forward to. Um, so uh, look forward to that in 2016. Is that going to support those memory lock extension things that they had to pull out of? Uh, I have no idea. No. Depends on how badly it screws up this generation, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and good news, AMD has um, 
lowered prices of the R9 290X and R9 290, even though they won't say that they've lowered the prices of the 290X, and instead uh, some partners are running channel specials. Yeah. They've lowered the prices of these parts. So this is not channel specials. This is actually... No, this is still channel specials. Oh, okay. This is this is still whatever crap they so want to say. So everybody's running a channel special then? Not yes. everybody, ironically. Oh. Right. Um, so when the 980-970 came out, they were aggressively priced. They, they kind of put AMD in a pinch. Yep. AMD reacted uh, immediately with some minor price changes. They seem to have gone more aggressive now. Uh as of let's let's double click this. As of the publication of this, which was on the twenty fourth of October, you could buy an XFX Radeon two ninety X two ninety X. Oh, look at that! Now it's Not up much. to like four hundred three. That's because the Amazon one's actually sold out. Uh-huh. Um, New Egg might still have been stuck. You but save two hundred and twenty six dollar. What? <laughs> yeah. You could uh, buy a 290X for $299 or $360 or $366, right? Those are the ones I found on Amazon that day. Okay. Uh, and that is – what did the 290X launch at? $549? Yeah. Is that right, I think? Something like that. Um, but that's a significant price cut, yep. especially considering where it was at. It was at 499 when the 980 launched, mm-hmm. essentially. So you're looking at as much as 200 or about a hundred and fifty dollar price cut uh, on on multiple parts, um, and considering the GTX nine eighty still sells for five hundred forty nine dollars and up when you can find it in stock, which has been hard to do since the release. That's a hundred and fifty dollar. I'm sorry, that's a two hundred and fifty dollar potential hill that Nvidia's parts has to climb in order to kind of make an argument about performance per dollar in any fashion. Um, and then the uh, R9 290 you could find for, I found, I had at the time found for as low as $254 uh, for a gigabyte WinForce, $275 for an MSI Gaming, um, which then competes against the GTX 970 that sells for $329 right. when you can find it today. Um so now you're looking at fifty, eighty dollar difference. So ma- maybe there. maybe those prices came back up a little bit because it's harder to get the nine eighty and nine seventies right now for this moment. Yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, my guess is if you go to Newegg, uh, you will still find actually here. Let me go ahead and try this. They're probably just riding the supply demand. Um, you know. Yeah, I mean the 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 issue is with especially with Amazon, um, the prices are uh, let's say. They're, yeah, they very quickly because yeah. once Amazon sells out, they go to all the other um, resellers. And okay, well, New Eggs. What's New Eggs? Back up. Waiting for NewEgg.com. Oh. So, in any event, uh, I think you'll be able to find those cards for those prices. Uh, we had updated our leaderboard as well to include some of that, um, which again, because they're not, quote, price changes, they're channel promotions mm-hmm. that means that they can go up and down at on a day-to-day basis which also yeah, means, which means that they're it's, gonna have to go and change the price yeah which also means it's really crappy for the consumer right because you could be you know your buddy could get that card for 329 today mm-hmm. and for you it's going to be 430 on amazon or Newegg uh that day if only so, there weren't three bactrians that would help you out with that yeah camel 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 yeah it's 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 annoying let me see let me go to it, 290x it, here and uh, lowest price, three thirty four. Oh, well, that's open box. I don't count that crap. Three forty nine, three nineteen after a rebate. So that did go up a little bit, um, like ten bucks, I guess. 
10 or 20 dollars so you can still get an xfx 290x for 349 on new egg you can get a sapphire one for 359 on new egg you can get an msi gaming for 359 on new egg and those are all before rebate prices so it's impressive stuff um amd feels the need to react yep to uh the aggressiveness of the 980 i think maybe they wouldn't have as, as maybe they wouldn't have promoted such aggressive um Channel, channel promotions, promotions had they yeah. realized how long the 980 and 970 were going to be out of stock and kind of have shortage issues it's true um but uh, there you have it if you're looking for new stuff new graphics cards if you if you want to buy an 80 graphics card high-end card now's the time yep it's it's pretty impressive let's talk about some storage crap yeah Samsung updates 840 Evo performance restoration tool. What what do I care about that for? So the initial version of the tool was 1.0. It did some kind of funky things when you had a drive that uh, it couldn't update the firmware on. Updating the firmware is step one in the whole process, or actually mm-hmm. step zero if you consider how its GUI is laid out. Like it updates the firmware first, then it does a you have to shut down the system to for like to force the drive to reset basically. Okay. When it comes back, when you when it uh, reboots, uh, the tool automatically relaunches and it goes through step one, two, three phase. Right? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, if it couldn't update the firmware, it just stopped at fifteen percent, gave you no anything. It just kind of stopped. It just mm-hmm. silently failed. Okay. Right. So they have just uh, updated uh, that. They updated that tool to just react differently when when that situation happens, and uh, also improve how it recognizes that you have an applicable model in your system. I guess they changed some things where it wasn't recognizing okay. some drives. No right? performance changes, no... Nothing else changes. Restor- the, no, like... It's, it's the same firmware it flashes. It's just, it's just better. Yeah, it just works a little bit better. Uh, okay. They also came out with... Uh, I'm not sure if we have a piece on this specifically, but they came out with the uh, ISO DOS version of the oh, tool. Oh, I didn't know that. That's also out. Uh, it came out over the weekend, actually, like on Saturday or something like that. Um, hmm. I think that's slipped into one of those various Samsung pieces that we. I haven't had a chance, about. but can these do that if it's plugged in on a USB drive? Like if um, I've got a USB enclosure that the 840 is in, probably not. Can I run it? I doubt it can up- update through that because yeah, it, well, it has I'll to find be it tomorrow. I guess it pretty much needs AHCI mode. Uh, supposedly, it can, okay. It's supposed to be able to work in IDE compatible mode, but I had no luck doing that with the DOS version of the tool. Of prior tools from them, it had to be in AHCI mode. Um, so I suspect the same would be for this. But so that yeah, this doesn't uh, have USAP on it. So yeah, because so, I'm deploying two of them tomorrow, and I kind of want to update the uh, firmware. Yep. Now remember that process that good idea Ryan and I were talking about maybe a week or two ago, saying how convoluted it would be if you had a RAID, mm-hmm. right? Well, now that you have this ISO version, I've seen in forum posts that people have successfully uh, they back up first, of course, but just reboot. Take your motherboard out of RAID mode, just put it in AHCI mode, mm-hmm. right? So you're not actually on purpose breaking your RAID. You're just making it so it can't see the RAID anymore and it yeah. sees individual drives. Yeah. And then people have ran the tool on each drive individually and it updated the drive. They said it took about a half an hour for each drive, although they didn't say how big those drives were. But probably the same amount of time it takes to use the Windows-based version of the tool anyway. It's just proportional to how much data is, you on. Know, how much data is actually on the drives that's right. not trimmed, right? Um, so it just they ran on each drive and then they switched their motherboard back to RAID mode and then booted back into Windows. The key is to not boot into Windows when you turn AHCI. Well, it won't. Nothing okay. will happen. It okay. just won't work. If that's your right? primary, yeah, yeah. gotcha. Um, so people are able to do that, and if you have a Mac, it should work as well. That's what the ISO for is for in the first place is to yeah. be able to do that, right? Yeah. Um, so you should be pretty much covered now. Uh, some people were griping that 
they thought the tool was a different version for the ISO version, but it doesn't really matter. It's a DOS-based tool. You're, there's no GUI stuff to fix. Right. <laughs> so right. you're good. Um, so there's that. Right. And then there's more what, stories. What about the... Uh, so uh, apparently the German... The German, German Samsung, Samsung <laughs> acknowledged that the 840 Basic or the 840 Plane or whatever you want to call just it, just the 840, would have has the same performance slowdown issues. Yes, we as uh, a site ist Deutsch das Feedback. Yes, das und erect hat. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I'm just just stop, stop right now. there. Uh, one of our commenters was kind enough to translate for us because the Google Translate and stuff was not really legible. So they basically say that hey, uh, because of feedback, we realize that the uh, the 840 has the same problem. Yeah. Um, for the moment, we are systematically examining the units with different system environments and working on a solution as fast as possible. Yep. Which is very similar to what they said about the 840 Evo when yeah. they finally acknowledged that, right? But then they do spell out due to different technologies, the Pro series are not affected. Which which is exactly what we knew before. Yeah. Yeah. So what it really boils down to is TLC, yes. Pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. If there's TLC, uh, then you know, and MLC, no, right? That's pretty much what the issue is. Right. Uh, at the end of that article, well, we kind of um, kind of point something out, though. There's a bunch of other TLC versions of Samsung SSDs. Right. Okay. Like uh, PM eight forty one, PM eight fifty one, eight forty five data center version, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the PM eight forty three, which is slightly older, and the PM they're all different they're like oem versions of SKUs Uh, or like data center parts stuff like that right um haven't heard anything about those but i don't think those would necessarily have been tested in that situation where you're just leaving stuff on them for Mm -hmm. a long time right who's going to leave stale data for two three months on a data center ssd chances are they're not Uh, or it's going to be in a raid where even if there was a slowdown, you might not even notice it initially because there's so many drives in parallel. Yeah. That kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, there's that. And then there was, as, as the term you used earlier today, uh, a regression, mm-hmm. possibly. Uh, some people were reporting that there was this unused reserve block count number in their smart data that was showing up as failed after they did the update to the most recent firmware. And that was a bug that we saw in the like pre-release versions of the drives that was actually fixed in, like, the initial shipping firmware. So it's a bug that has reappeared the exact same way that it appeared a way long time ago. And it's happening. But it doesn't affect the device performance. It doesn't affect stability. It doesn't affect No, anything. no, it doesn't it's affect any of that. something just, that shows up in smart data. Yeah, but it might make magician throw a flag, like a very annoying, hey, your drive is about to fail, or right. stuff like that, right? Which not really the intended way you want your SSD to work by constantly crying wolf when it's not really. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. So that might be an issue. If that happens to anybody that's updated, I would suggest you just go through, like, Samsung support, and they'll probably just RMA it for you, I would imagine. Just a hunch, because there's no other way to fix that, as far as I know. So if it's, if it's happened to you, I don't know, unless they make another version of the performance restoration tool with a different firmware, I don't know. Probably All right, not. and our last Samsung uh, trifecta story is rumors of the 850 Evo uh, taking a... Taking hold again, thanks to uh, leaked photos and specs and pricing on yep. Fry's.com. Everybody's and go-to source for <laughs> PC hardware news. Fry's.com. Well, actually, it was the Fry's.com thing led us to do some other Googling of, you know, 
part numbers and SKUs and stuff like that, which then led us to other sites that had, say, all four capacities of it. The fact that there will be four capacities instead of five, right? There was a 750 gig 840 Evo. There does not appear to be one here. There's not one here, Um, which makes sense because that probably wasn't a very popular capacity anyway, right? It wasn't. It's my favorite. I don't know. I just made that up. I don't know. Um, So there you have it. Uh, There they are all laid out for you with what the prices were. I'm not sure if those sites are still up, but yeah, okay, or if the these prices. prices are accurate, right? I mean, one terabyte for four seventy-seven. That's that's pretty good. That's a pretty good starting point if that turns out to be true. Yeah, yeah, it does get more expensive per gig as you get to the smaller models, obviously, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is kind of par for the course, right? Because you have to pay for Six the enclosure and the controller and stuff still like that. Still on fries, one terabyte Samsung eight fifty Evo add yep. to car, and it says uh, ships by Monday, November twenty fourth. We have no idea if that's accurate. Yeah, and it initially said November third. Yeah, and then it changed. So that's all we have to go on. Because the 850 Pro is uh, 600 bucks right now on uh, Newegg. Yeah, and they're able to get not bad price at all. That's true. That is actually lower. It was running 70 cents a gig. Now it's 60 cents a gig. Mm, Okay. So that's an improvement, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And actually, that puts it pretty close to 50 cents a gig. Like you know, 70 is kind of like wow, that's a lot per gig, right? But 60 is kind of like given that the Pro performs pretty damn good i mean it's yeah uh is this selling for 20 cents a gig no <laughs> i would like it to I don't it's not that. there yet it's not you know yeah it's not at your magic number yet so your, we don't we don't like number. we don't have units of this we don't have reviews of this this nope. is again still just rumors we assume this is going to happen the picture here is of a different color scheme than we've ever seen before on yep. a samsung ssd black with a gray square so somebody either did some some Photoshop work or somebody or it might be a picture screwed up. might be a picture of the 850 Pro which has a red square just in black and white I don't know I <laughs> could be could sure looks Why like a black not? and white 850 picture 850 grayscale edition it, yeah should, maybe should not alright anyway let's move on uh, GTX 970s yeah graphics cards uh huh coil line they do that it sucks it does um, suck so there have been um Concerns about possible high frequencies of occurrences, rather high frequ- high occurrences of coil wine, <laughs> noticeable coil wine in GTX 970s, and I understand the irony of using the term frequencies. Yes, thank you. Um, if you're the kind of person that can hear the flyback transformer in a old television, really high pitch kind of, you know, mm-hmm. you hear it, it tends to echo off the stuff in the room. Yeah, Ryan can can hear that. I can hear that. Uh, then you probably would hear this sound. It's very similar. Right, but I mean, there are. So what's happening is essentially that's that's kind of normal stuff. The there are cases where coil whine is louder and much more noticeable, even when you're even when a graphics card's inside a case, yep. and fans are spinning or yep. whatever. Because right. that sound is different than any other sound that the PC would normally be making. Uh, yeah, yes. it sounds like there's a very small leak in a steam pipe. Yeah, it just is that high pitch. Yeah, whistle yep. that you can hear for like three miles. Yep. And half the time, it's not that you notice it. It's just, why am I in a crappy mood? What? Why do I have a bit of a headache going on? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. yeah. Oh. And th- those kinds of sounds, sometimes they're very hard to, to directionalize. Like, oh, yeah, just, yeah, they are. You yeah. really can't. It's like, like where is this coming from? Super low frequency yeah. versus super high frequency. Yeah. Um, so basically what... what there are there are a lot there are forum threads and there are discussions happening at various websites about hey is this a problem with the GTX 970? There seem to be a lot of reports of this happening with the GTX 970. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly don't know if this is a wide scale problem or not, or if just the people that have bought 970s are more vocal about it than people other that bought people. 980s. 
Well, so here's the thing, right? Little behind the scenes knowledge I don't think I published, maybe they don't want me to say. The the nine eighty reference design uh-huh. built by NVIDIA and qualified by NVIDIA. Yep. Like doesn't have this issue. And calls for specific parts, I would imagine, for well, the it's coils. A reference design. They sell them the whole board. Oh. Right. With the parts on it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. They basically they have them manufactured and sell them to partners. Okay. Right now, there are some partners out there that have custom 980s already as well, um, but it is a higher end card, higher wattage. They tend to not skimp on on component selection. Okay. Right. 970. With the 970s, nobody used Nvidia's reference design that I know of. Yeah, right. we haven't seen a reference 970. No. And 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 as a result, everybody used custom designs. Um, mm-hmm. And what can happen. I don't, I'm not saying this is 100% the case, but what can't happen is, you know, if you have AIC a- vendor says, well, okay, we're trying to save a little bit of money. Let's go with that inductor and that inductor instead of yeah. these two that are higher priced. Yeah, just choosing different parts. And as a result, you get some vibration issues and you get coil wine that mm-hmm. you wouldn't normally otherwise get. Like the fix to it is hot glue. But these are encased, enclosed it, inside the plastic. Yeah. So like, yeah, you, so don't don't like, do that. Like a high grade inductive or high grade inductor would be. It's inside a little kind of a plastic box thing. Yeah. It's it basically looks, it looks like, like this. Yeah. It's just a metal coil. Yep. That's inside that box. Right. Yep. It's packaged in the box so it could be surface mountable. Right. Just so it has pads on either side of it. Right. Um, and then the high grade ones will just have like epoxy. Like they. So put the winding just in there, and then it's filled with epoxy during manufacture. But they're much cheaper to, to have just hollow. Like, sure. no epoxy, but with just the coil in there. And if you have the free-floating coil, you're inducing current into it. It has, like, a magnetic effect going on. Mm-hmm. Now it's trying to move. It vibrates. And vibrate. Yep. And you might hear it. Right? That's and so thing. some people are doing that. And, uh, we, you know, we, had, we have, line, we have uh, uh, quotes here from MSI, EVGA, and NVIDIA. EVGA kind of publicly acknowledged it. So, yeah, some of our 970s have it. If you, if you have that issue, RMA it. We're getting you a new one. Doesn't worry about it. And we have already made a change to what inductors they're using into into the part that is going to solve the issue msi is a little bit more vague about it uh if you have a concern contact our rma department as far as i can tell based on my conversations with msi and nvidia msi will be rmaing all of those cards as well if people are complaining about it and nvidia basically for their part says "Eh, we're we're actively looking into it right so well it's the interesting thing because you know we always talk about like the uh, the military class components these guys brag about on the motherboards i mean asus they use those uh the 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 chokes and well the coils yeah um where they have the the magnetic the ferrite in the middle ferrite the, cord, the coil cord chokes, and yeah. they actually compress this stuff until it's you know really just packed solid it's not epoxy right. it's actually a compressed material mm. around that so they don't have those problems yeah because that will not but move. they're so expensive they're, yes they're expensive and so they put them on four hundred dollar motherboards and yeah. stuff like that yeah. Um, so basically, this is we're kind of like an exploratory time. I also want to. I also I do want to point out something. Uh, some people in the comments to this news post have said, "Yeah, like uh, when I start up Unigen, I hear it, oh. but it goes away when I'm playing." Yeah. And so we need to understand, like when if you have an unlocked frame rate and you're running a high performance game at like a loading screen and mm-hmm. you hear coil wine, but you don't hear it while you're actually playing the game. Right. That's not a problem. That's going to be there with almost any card, no matter what quality you have. Even with the better coils? Yeah. So that wine might be coming from something else? Well, because, so say for example, which game is it in the, at the, uh, in the Skyrim, mm-hmm. uh, like the loading menu. screen or something. If you or, have, yeah. uh, 
vsync manually disabled in ini files whatever like you you're running at four to five thousand frames per second <laughs> okay yeah, i was thinking of starcraft 2 it does that as well yeah and and so that that kind of uh, agitation of that stuff is yeah. way more impactful than when you're running at 100 or even 200 frames per second it's conceivable right? that that sound that, might come from something else on the board it could it right it could it's, yeah and, and, the, and the coil wine issue is always interesting to me because it, it fluctuates based on gpu load right yep. because the, the amount of power going into the inductors is doing the same thing mm-hmm. right um so it like if you go into there and you say okay i hear it when I run Furmark and I hear it when I do uh, – I'm at the loading screen for Civ Beyond Earth. That does it really badly as well. Yep. And that happened – like basically when I was doing my benchmarking, it happened on the 980s. It happened on the R9 290Xs. Oh, even on the really 980s. High okay. Yeah. Right? And that happened on on parts that I know are good. What, what I'm more concerned about is if you're an owner of a 970 or whatever and it happens like – while you're playing a game yeah. at a reasonable frame rate. Yeah. Times other than the loading screen kind Those of are the ones you need to be concerned about. So uh, I do have a little poll here on that news post that asks, if you are a GTX 970 owner, do you own one with no issues? Or if you own one with issues, who's, what vendor is it? Yep. Asus, EVGA, Galax, Gigabyte, MSI, PNY, Zotac, etc. Just trying to get an idea of kind of how widespread it is uh, and then leave us some comments here as well to, to yep. kind of... For the record, there are some SSDs that give me a little bit of coal wine at certain loads. Oh, really? But it's a much smaller coil, and there's only one of them. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You can still hear you know, it, though. If, if you got tinnitus, then it's like you got a friend in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Get those knee braces with copper in them. Yeah. Uh, okay. More no, stuff. tinnitus. That's, that's, that's a hearing thing. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Not tendinitis. Yes. Real gotcha. close. Yep. Real close. It's pretty close. Swing and yeah. a miss. Jeremy, tell me about the graphics amplifier because it sounds awesome. Oh, it, it really kind of is. We've been waiting for this for a while. We've been waiting for this since PCI Express came out. And we said, you could do an external graphics enclosure, couldn't you? They did and that through of- PCI and AGP. They well, did. In the 90s. It was bad, but they did. It was bad. awful. It was AGT. just sad. Mm-hmm. So what, what, is this, what is this device we're looking at? Okay, so this is a $300 device that you can get uh, not alone. You have to buy the Alienware 13. Uh, well, sure, why I not? hope that some of the higher end uh, also offer this as a choice. But it's an empty box with 460-watt PSU inside of it and so a PCI Express slot. This PCI Express slot can accept any double-sized card. So two slots or smaller. Yep. And up to 375 watts. Again, not an issue. That's PCI Express thing. Hmm. And you can then toggle a switch on your laptop. Tell it, I want external graphics. Do a reboot. Plug it in with a single cord, which is a combo PCI Express and USB. Because they made it a four-port USB (laughs) hub, too, just because. And also, I'm sure sure that some communication goes over the USB channels. Reboot it, and whatever desktop class GPU you want is now running the internal display on that laptop. It sounds amazing! can also do the external ones through the laptop, not through the card itself. How many lanes do you get? Like PCI... 16. By 3? Or 3.0, sorry? It's claimed as 3.0. Wow. And no reason it couldn't be either. Well, because you're kind of 
you're going a little bit of length there over a cable. Like, yeah, well, you got to lick the cable is. and see how hot it is. <laughs> just grab you it. Think just it's hold in a giant case. <laughs> um, I think this is awesome. Uh, I also yeah. think we'll never ever see it because every time I see this stuff. Uh, Thunderbolt was like, oh man, Thunderbolt, we're finally at the age of external graphics adapters. And yeah. well, I mean, if you the, really, the only reason I think this might actually come out and sell is because it is one vendor selling yeah. it to work with one laptop. Yeah, exactly. Like they're going to sell it as a bundle. I think the USB ports are cool on it because now you just have your external keyboard and mouse. Yeah, that's your that's your it. dock cable. You yeah. just plug that in, and now yeah, um, I can see that's exactly why they did it. I, I also would maybe consider. And you can upgrade the your idea of having card. probably the loudest component of a PC sitting on your desk. Yeah, how right long is that cable? You. So, like, can you can it, will it reach to like the floor under uh, the PC? I, don't, I, I did don't not see a rating on it in the uh, Gizmodo review, but it's I'm guessing not a long cable, like a foot, foot and a half max. Well, it looks a little bit longer than that here, but yeah, it, it doesn't look very long. And I would imagine for signal integrity issues yeah. that it like I think you could probably go. Either. You probably get one meter out of something like that. At the most, just like three feet. Yeah, I, I'm very interested in this. Um, what is that? Is the laptop like a decent gaming laptop? Off it's a, to well, the side it's a 13 of? incher, so you are limited a little bit. But again, an an i5 4210U, frankly, is except for some games which are going to be CPU limited. This is going to be fine for a couple of years. But what is uh, the graphics? Of, sorry, you get to add your own graphics card. No, no, no. It doesn't matter what graphics Assu- is in there already. No, 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 no. Assuming you're, is it is it a gaming laptop on its own, or do you have to have it docked? Well, for on its own, what you've got is an i5 4210U, either eight or sixteen gigs of RAM, uh, DDR3 1600, uh, GTX 860M. Okay, not great. So not bad. Yeah, and that's... you can go for either a 500 gig one terabyte hard drive or a 256 gig uh, M.2 SSD. So the shell itself is not that horrible. Yeah. It's not brilliant, but you can plug whatever generation GPU you want into oh, it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So when a next generation GPU comes out, you're not tossing this uh, $1,000, $2,000 laptop out. You're just plugging in a different card to the external port. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It's yeah, always it's awesome. Bad. Every time I hear about it, it's always awesome. But then it turns out to be too expensive. What have the catches? Kind of buggy yeah. and nobody what have the it. They don't come out. Well, right. But like for this one, yeah, you wouldn't have to worry about support or not. Like that would work. It's driver straight, support. But this wouldn't have a special driver. Well, neither like, should Thunderbolt technically. Making, right, 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 making right, right. Windows route the display output back. Like you're for that GPU, you're supposed to be plugged into the display output on the back. You're not. That is a driver no. issue. For this setup specifically, you're yes. talking about. Defer any oh, yeah, external no, this, GPU this would on the be a driver thing. I yeah. would imagine that this would not appear any different than a standard system it with that card. It doesn't appear different, but it's using the display inside the monitor, yeah. inside the laptop. Yet you're not running a display, display cable back from the graphics card to the laptop. How is it going um, back? Exactly. <laughs> I don't think it rolls back to the laptop, does it? It does. It does. No, no. Yeah, it does. You can do both. You can do either, I think. That is the difficult that part has to support you know, right? up that. And so. we're, we're talking about the company that, for a little while, figured out a way to get one graphics card to draw the top half of your screen and the other graphics card to draw the bottom half of your yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
They they're, they're not they scared to, to try and figure out a proprietary solution. That didn't I, work, that, that, to be fair, that didn't work either. But I think <laughs> no, the only, it didn't work so well either. I think the only driver-dependent oddball kind of thing would be that feedback thing. So that, that is the reason we've been given as to why these Thunderbolt GPU docks have, haven't yeah, ever come is, out. because this is literally never no different out. than the Thunderbolt GPU docks. What if you ran it's this? More, it's more bandwidth. No, no, no. What if you ran this system with your just standard desktop display plugged into the side box? And you didn't use the display on Should the laptop. Should be fun. I, actually, I think you have to plug it into the display outputs on the laptop. Yes. Regardless. Yeah. It, uh, it, it, it might be uh, using some offshoot no of like Optimus and sending the display buffer back yeah. over. That like, makes if you zip over to the Gizmodo review that I linked to, you can see not. it with the enclosure off. That's probably what's going to and, break yeah, it like, and make it not. The card is plugged good. in, but it's not interfacing directly. Okay. It's, it's okay. interfacing through. Yeah, scroll down a bit of the way. Hold on, I'm waiting for it all to load. Okay, here we go. Yeah, mm. he plugs it in. Look mm. at that gift. Oh, yeah. And so see, it's not plugged into the card. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. Huh. All right. So there is a little bit of trickery going on in there, but at the same time, hmm. it also means it's not de- dedicated to a certain card. It may just be an external dock driver that you add. I wonder if you can put an AMD we'll- card in it. I would guess not. I would guess that it would be like there's some Optimus uh, yeah. driver, there's some thing that, that NVIDIA is going to be able to custom build into it. To Because uh, MSI to announced a laptop catalog. like this a couple of weeks ago as well. Did they? Yeah. So maybe it's a thing that NVIDIA is starting to kind of push on the back end unofficially. Maybe. I kind of wish... do this now, do it. I kind of wish they would go the route of just only extend the PCIe, don't worry about return video, just make it so it's a pure docking kind of thing where you have a desktop display plugged into the card. Then you wouldn't have to worry about any stuff like that, right? It would just be a right, just like any other desktop PC with a PCIe. I I would imagine that there's some reason why they wouldn't do that. Well, and if you want even more, and sorry, Pelly, but guess what? PhysX doesn't work when you use this card either. Oh... I don't, nope. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does. But I, I can't use my 860M as a physics accelerator in my G- No, you cannot. Oh, nice. <laughs> they tried. Uh, all right, so we'll, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask some people about this and figure out more crap. Um, Alan, light on M.2 PCIe SSD. Yeah, uh, I hadn't really seen many enterprise grade uh, air quotes there. Uh, M.2 SSDs, but this appears to be one, all the way down to having a capacitor bank on it so it can have power loss protection. Hmm. Um, so they came out, well, it's not really out yet. Like, they don't even, they don't actually have uh, active power consumption numbers published on that spec sheet we're looking at there right now. Um, so it's supposed to launch during... TBD! Yeah, it's supposed to launch during Dell World, which is next week. Uh, but it's basically an enterprise-grade M.2 PCIe uh, by four. What would 3. I use 0. this for? Uh, if you were to have a bunch of them in a server somehow. I don't know of any server chassis that can handle it properly. Are there riser cards that have a lot of M.2 slots uh, on I don't, them or I something? Don't, I don't know. I don't know. The only stuff I've seen coming is more for the, uh, like, extending it out different ways, not to fan out to multiple M.2 ports. But really, it's just, if you had that many lanes of PCI, it's just a matter of having some form of a card that can, you know, connect... Two, four lanes for each. M.2 We're looking device, at right? two different models. Uh, highest performance: one point five gigabytes per second sequential read, one point two gigabytes per second sequential write. Yep. Uh, uh, the other thing that was the other piece of info that was missing from that whole spec sheet uh, PDF thing that we got from them was if it supports uh, NVMe. 
or if it's using mm. so that's kind of yeah a question mark because you figure if it was N- NVMe they would at least state that one time in in yeah. their documentation because that is a big boost right at the fact that you're using lower CPU load per I/O. So you look somebody asked NVMe. Yeah, somebody well, did ask. If um, we if we look at one of the parent company or the parent company of LightOn, which is Plex Store, right? Yeah, yeah, and. That they have a very similar looking device, not enterprise grade. They do. It does do much lower I/O mm. than this. So this mm. appears to be like a, probably a, some form of different controller. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. Um, just on just on paper, this seems to outperform like run circles around the uh, Plexter uh, M6e, which would be the you know M.2 version of uh, the Plexter consumer drive. All right. Yep. Uh, Josh, anything interesting about ARM announcing Molly T800s or is just better, more efficient? Wasn't that a Terminator? No, T1000. I thought that was an 800. I don't think so. Wasn't yeah. the, the T200 was first? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. Know, I don't know what Arnold was. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a whole lot. I think it's what? Support up to OpenGL ES 3.1. Correct. Uh, it's... it's uh, you can have a multiple amount of their uh, their cores yep. on there. I think it's like 16 streaming units per core, and you can have upwards of, what, 16 cores? Yep. So, what, 16 times 16, that's that's one or two cores. I imagine that's not going to be in a phone, but, uh, you know, <laughs> somebody will try something and everything. Uh, so it goes from, you know, the, what, T800 up to the T860. Yep. T860 is obviously the uh, highest-end model. Uh, I can have the most cores, but again, it is entirely configurable to the needs of the people licensing the technology. So they can call it a T860, but you can still have a interesting amount of cores in there, not yeah. just the maximum. You can kind so, of go between any of the SKUs that they actually offer. I think they have 860, yeah. 830, and 820 um, kind of predetermined, but yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know it's it's nice that they have new products. Uh, the Mollies are uh, a lot better than they used to be. So you can actually you know play games and stuff on them, and they're DX9 compatible, yeah. DX11. So have fun. We'll see more. We'll, we'll have to wait until 2016 apparently to see devices based on that. So that's yeah. two products that we've talked about today that we won't talk about again until 2016. We'll probably talk about them again, but. Whatever. Uh, our last storage thing of the night, Connected Data announces Transporter Genesis Private Cloud Appliance, which is a fancy way of saying Drobo has a Dropbox technology. Yeah. Transporter was a separate company that started off to the side of Drobo by the same people that started Drobo who had left. And yep. they came back and then they kind of merged the two together. And so basically you have uh, – actually, the thing on the screen right now resembles nothing like any of uh, the Drobo products. So it seems like they're kind of developing even more advanced stuff. So there is a rack mount Drobo thing, but that's nothing like this. This is a full 2U, looks like a full-depth chassis, and hmm. it yeah. supports up to 24 terabytes of storage and actually is a Xeon system with like 32 gig of RAM, and it's basically like a full-blown – That seems confusing to me. What? That it would need that much compute power to do cloud storage. Um, because the Drobo itself will, could have support for that much storage, but doesn't need that much compute. True. Even for its you know weird uh, 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 not RAID thing that it does. But if it, hasn't, it, 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 if it was software-based 
uh, wouldn't it scale better with IOPS with more with CPU more horsepower? horsepower? Yeah, that that was the thing that was limiting to like the Drobos were only doing just storage, mm. and they kind of get bogged down when they get full of a bunch of small files and stuff okay. like that, right? Even the Drobo Pro, which was like one of the faster ones. Um, so this is definitely like a beast of a workhorse, and they're designed to be scalable, so you could put multiple of them at one site, right, and just get you know more than 24 terabytes, right, 48 terabytes, whatnot. Uh, and then they actually have a whole line where they also launched other devices, things that look strangely like a Drobo Pro-style device. Or Transporter a, 15, yeah, 5. Or a Drobo 5-bay model kind of device there, right? Just uh, rebadged as Transporter. Probably have different guts. Probably, you know, doing different things, right? Probably upgraded CPUs to be able to handle the Transporter-related stuff. But essentially, it is a cloud-based device. It has sort of a reach through uh, the Transporter service, right? They provide just a permanent service that kind of connects all of those devices, gives you the means of getting to the other device, right? Uh, And they have the whole round of stuff you would expect, like for a cloud thing. They have iOS apps, Android apps, that sort of thing. Desktop app you install on your system. You can selectively sync whatever folders you want. Um, The kind of cooler thing I like about their software is that there is a, um, a separate subfolder within your set of folders that you are sharing and syncing. And if you go into that folder, you see the entire device. You see everything stored on only on the device and slower not access because it's not actually synced locally to your machine. Yeah, you're pulling it you over the net. Access yeah, you're pulling it over okay. the net or over your LAN, depending on like if it's on your network, gotcha. right? But it's it shows up as if it was the file system. In other words, through Finder or Windows Explorer, you just need to browse try. to it. Yeah, you know, it's kind of an elegant thing. It's not super fast. The one I tested so far, I've been playing around with just this very small single drive transporter, which is the lowest one you can get. Actually, the smallest one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, you know, it's not super fast. I, we probably get better results over Samba, but you can actually turn Samba on, on the single drive transporter. Oh. You can. I haven't done like speed tests, but I don't know. Probably sure. preferred, probably preferred to use their desktop app and use it the way it's meant to be. I was going to say, it'd be, it'd be a good test case for us here with all of our remote use and everything too. So. Yeah. All right. Cool. And, uh, it looks like last... Uh, but not least, uh, if, if you're looking for hope for uh, future improvements for processor performance, look no further than the Haswell EX in the second quarter of 2015. So now we're only the next year as opposed to the next next year. Yeah. Uh, and you can look to find the Xeon E7 V2 line of processors uh, that will have um, – what is this up to, to, to how many cores? 18? 18 cores? Are those hyper-threaded? Uh, thirty-six simultaneous threads with hyperthread. That's awesome. Yeah. I like how they. I like how the lighting on that die shot just happened to tend towards red, <laughs> to make it look kind of representative of the part cooking with, with that many cores <laughs> going. <laughs> yeah, and I think the E7 support eight processors. Oh, uh, so you can put eight CPUs yeah. in a system. Yeah. So eight, yeah. eight, eighteen. That's 18 also core. Uh, that's also one or two, I think. Josh. Well, that's you, many cores. What, oh, wait, <laughs> what's the uh, Windows limit for threads for like one compute unit? Um, if you 96, use seventy-two, well, it depends on what ver- if you'd have to use like uh, 
2012 R2 data center edition or something to get more than no no, no? There, there, there's a there's a hard limit on what Mike the Windows considers a pool yeah. of compute resources. Oh, I think okay. it's 64 72. Yeah, uh, because when we were doing when I was doing the uh, uh, the Haswell E5. Yeah, the E5, when I went out to that Xeon server day, like, they would literally, like, some of the servers had so many cores, they were disabling hyperthreading because Windows wouldn't actually use that in the performance see it all. they were using anyway. <laughs> it sees them all, but it will only, like, one task can only be distributed amongst one pool at a time. So, it's kind of interesting. Huh. Uh, other than gigantic size, they're fairly similar to the other Xeon E5 processors. You can pick up to an eight-socket motherboard and load it up with multiples of these. So for dirt cheap, bargain basement price. Oh yeah, no, I, it, it's probably they're probably three hundred bucks a piece. Oh yeah, I guess. Oh yeah, two ninety nine. <laughs> How much, two? Josh? Two ninety nine. Okay, all right, that's good enough. All right, let's get into our hardware software picks of the week. Uh, my pick is uh, this little device right here. This is the Rav Power wireless charger. Charging pad, Qi enabled. That's spelled QI for some dumb reason. Um, Qi is the kind of I would I don't know if it's not a standard, but it is probably the biggest standard for wireless charging. At this Most point. accepted, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, this is essentially just an external battery. It's got a uh, USB port to charge, a USB port to connect your phone to. Uh, but maybe more importantly, what it does is it has this little circle on the top, and um, it will do wireless charging with Qi capable devices uh the moto 360 i've actually had this for quite some time it's uh 25 bucks on amazon and it is a 4800 milliamp hour total battery capacity but essentially um what you get here is when you just lay it on there oh i gotta turn it on there we go turn it on and you heard it beep and now my moto 360 is charging so what What's interesting about that is as more and more devices start to go to the world of wireless charging, that will be more and more useful. For example, the Nexus 6, uh, the Droid Turbo, mm-hmm. uh, the Galaxy Note 4, they all use Qi wireless charging by default. You don't have to change backplates or anything, anything yep. weird. You can still charge them through USB, those phones. And you can charge much faster through USB. Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> the charging rate on this is slower. Yeah. But the idea for me is like... For the watch, it probably charges. That's it as charges fast as you can charge the it anyway. It charges incredibly fast. Yeah. It's such a small battery. Yep. Uh, but the convenience of, like, oh, especially overnight when you're not in a hurry, just having that on your nightstand and just setting it on it and going to mm-hmm. bed and not worrying about it is, is pretty cool. So having this with you, when you, if you travel or something and you set your watch on I mean, because you can actually charge two things. You can set your watch on it and plug in your phone. Well, do it while it's plugged into something to charge itself. I'm curious. I don't know the answer. That's your typical overnight scenario, right? You'd plug that in, Um, traveled with that while you're watching. I don't know if it'll do that. So for me, what this would be is like I'm going to go out of town for one night, so I'm just going to take this with me. Yeah, just bring it, and it will charge my phone and my watch while I sleep. Yeah, thing. So Uh, that is Rav Power wireless charging. Uh, Nexus five seven four. Yeah, list Galaxy S five. It says S four. I don't remember the S four having. Uh, you could buy a wireless backplate. Uh, back it was just it. a different backplate. Yeah, it was it, an add-on. It, it, if you have a popular phone that has a removable backplate, you can most likely buy a Qi-capable okay. thing for it. So uh, pretty nifty little stuff there. Its output is 5-volt, 1-amp max. Over over Qi? Uh, it doesn't say. It just says maximum no. output. Qi's probably less than an amp. I think, yeah, I think it's 500 milliamps. Yeah, I would, I, I would probably say that. That's decent. Decent for wireless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey. Just don't try to run a Levo over it. It's the future. 
Waldo would be proud. It's the future. Jeremy, what do you got Wireless for Wireless electricity. Well, for those poor souls that don't watch this show live, I must make, quickly make a correction. Uh, it appears that now that Alienware has fixed the link, they did indeed benchmark a 290 hmm. on the external graphics card enclosure. Hmm. Okay. So it is Good not plan. just NVIDIA only. All right, cool. Hmm. But apart from that, um, I've got this handy little project which uh, uses both Google Translate and Microsoft uh, App Store and a Raspberry Pi. But that's it. And you can build yourself a universal translator right off of the Raspberry Pi. Uh, you can do over a thousand language pairs with it. A, it's, it's a little limited because you're plugging it into a headset uh, and then using the Raspberry Pi as a translator, you will need an input device attached to it because there is a keystroke command that you need to do. And, well, it's free, so hmm. it only does 50 a day because uh, the Google API limits you to 50. But apart from that, um, as long as you get a network connection, this thing will listen to anything that is spoken into the microphone that you've got and translate from one language to another. On the fly? Uh, on the fly, yeah. Huh. I, like I say, you've got to send a command to it to upload that to the, the Google Talk, which then sticks it over to the Microsoft Translate, and then back again to play in your ear. But literally on the fly for the price of a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> this is ridiculously cheap and just awesome. something that, you know, if, you've, if you're just a little bit interested in programming and want to get into it, or you've got a kid that's a little bit interested in programming and wants to get into it and wants to see something really impressive. This seems like an awesome thing. And honestly, reading through the steps, this isn't even an afternoon's work. And you wouldn't have to run it on a pie, right? No, you don't. It, yeah, it, this so. particular one, all the source code is already there for you. You don't have to write a damn thing. You can just run on any do this Linux on many distro? Things. Is that what you're saying, Ken? Probably. Huh. Right. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, Josh, what do you got? Uh, you know, I, I've, I've enjoyed my Grado headphones throughout the years, but the one complaint that uh, I knew about myself and have heard about pretty much ad nauseum is how uncomfortable the ear pads are. Uh, the SR125s were in that group that just were not comfortable. You really had to uh, toughen up your ears to wear them for a long time. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. Yeah, how does one toughen up? Their ear, just like Good. ear calluses. Yeah, yeah. Just ask any woman nope. who has Whoa. nursed how nope. they toughen things up. Yeah. No, thank you. I'm okay. Not anyway, on your ears. Uh, you know, for ten bucks, you can get these nice soft pads that you can mm. quickly put on. Quickly and you, well, yes, relatively quickly. It it's, takes you less than three minutes. It's like only. It's like they should ship the really uncomfortable headphones with some nice ear covers. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I think that these do block a little bit of sound as compared to the standard ones. But boy, mm. it's a lot nicer on your ears. And for only 10 bucks. Proudly made in Brooklyn, USA. I don't know Proudly. Is, but. Which, same as these. Do they have Ebola? They just got today. Brooklyn, what? USA. Do they have Ebola then? They yes. do not. Mm, they come with Ebola. Cool. That Good. costs extra. Good for you. Thanks. All right, Alan, you're last. All right, so uh, in looking for Windows Media Center tweaks, I stumbled across, across this uh, gem of a thing. So first thing this tool does, which is called a 
it's from my channel logos. Oh man, that looks awesome. Well, the the thing is, uh, my channel logos XL is just a piece of software. Uh, it is a five dollar download. It basically patches Media Center for you in such a way that you can add all the logos for all of like high res logos for all the channels instead of just seeing like what the call sign is for the station right that, and it tweaks a, that, that's not done by default no it's not the and software um, hasn't been touched since like 2000 but but here's the better stuff all that negative space stuff we were talking about before it actually fixes so the channel guide it gives you an extra hour worth of stuff to see in the channel guide and it, it makes it a 12 line thing instead of a seven line thing oh i see right? okay. and then while you're what's not shown here in the photos uh but might be shown in the video of the uh of the home theater pc review if uh, i'm not sure if ken included that a snippet of that in his video uh when you pull up the guide while you're watching a channel the default is to only show you two channels of channel guide mm-hmm. which you're trying to scroll through in other words, while the show is going on in the background, right? right? But you only get two lines. Mm-hmm. So at least this expands it to four, right? Which is more like a channel guide sure. than just two lines, right? Um, and it you know just does like some other various tweaks. And then the, these same guys also make another thing called Tuner Salad, which is a pretty funny name. I like that. That's um, good. But it's, it's a basic... I think it's like <laughs> three bucks or something. But it is a patch that just forces uh, Windows Media Center into... What was it? A 24... 32. 32 tuner capability. So if you had 32 <laughs> four tuners... Four cards. Yeah. If you had four of those six and channels... four cable six, cards. cards and, and four cable cards, Fine. which is like a couple bucks a month. Rental. Does coax send all the channels still? Yeah, you just fan it out to four. Yeah. Just like you'd fan it out to four uh, DVRs you, could, in your house. You ever, if you had one... Well, you see, you'd have to have four coax connections. It'd be fine. Yeah. Oh no! You get a good well, gigahertz whatever. splitter. I mean, there'll be some signal degradation, yeah, but you, it won't you be too a splitter, bad. But it still, it works with a splitter. Try, try to do that in like a hundred megabit internet over your coax it is going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> why is the why is the wall jack red? It's, yeah, it's, it's just glowing. glowing. Why are my walls on fire? But you know, it's it's oh, well, kind of have some cool tools there. Board. You know, and uh, it's supposed to work with the Windows eight version of uh, you know of Windows Media Center. Right. So. 8.1. What's it called again? Uh, well, it's... Uh, my Channel Logo. My Channel Logos XL. The name of the Perfect. site is just MyChannelLogos.com. Yeah. I mean, it looks relatively simple. I'm going to try it. All right. You know. Uh, that's going to wrap up the show, guys. Finally, PCPer.com slash podcast. URL you can go to for back episodes, videos, RSS, uh, email links, um... I don't know, show notes, links to all the stories we talked about today. They're all there at pcpro.com slash podcast. And, of course, if you want to watch us record the show live, it is on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at pcpro.com slash live. We're going to go ahead and jump the hell out of here. It's been a long one. We'll see you guys next week. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Allen Tunnel.